Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1121. $5 t-shirts over at ID10T.com. We got a bunch from some ID10T shirts. Uh, there's uh, a handful of shirts. There's a Rick and Morty shirt. There's a uh, a GIF GIF shirt uh, over there as well. So $5 for t-shirts. What? Are we crazy? How will we stay in business? What? How? Who is making that? Why? Ah. Okay. Enough about that. Go to ID10T.com. $5 t-shirts. Uh, let's talk about you, the ID10T community. First of all, uh, our good friends over at Van Eaton Galleries are having another Disneyland auction this weekend, uh, May 22nd and 23rd. Um, if you go to vegalleries.com uh, on the internet, then you can uh, find it. You can find all the information. Um, and there's just a bunch of cool new Disneyland stuff. Well, not new, but a bunch of Disneyland stuff that they're uh, auctioning off all weekend. It's old Disneyland stuff, but it could be new to you. So uh, check that out, Rediscovering Disneyland, vegalleries.com. And also events at id10t.com for your thing for the corkboard like Roger who writes, My name is RJ Zimmerman and I started a podcast about my sobriety with my brother-in-law Monty Ball who is also sober. We record live on Twitch on Sundays at 9 a.m. Central Time, twitch.tv slash untapped keg and release it later as a podcast and on YouTube as untapped keg. We sometimes have guests on but we really get vulnerable about our alcoholism to talk about real issues. After the serious stuff, we do laugh and make fun of each other so it's not always serious. Um, thank you so much for sharing rj really really incredible that y'all are doing this and talking about sobriety i mean it's not only healing for you but it is you know i i really do talk about it a lot on this podcast because i just feel like someone might just be in the right place in the right moment in their life to just hear something that you say that's a very open and vulnerable experience that you've had and they'll go oh my god i totally connect with that and that's the moment or the day they just go, today's the day I'm going to do it. So it's really great that you're doing that. You really can really help change people's lives um, for the better. So uh, well done. Congratulations on your sobriety and uh, well done on on making it a show. So uh, you uh, out there in the ID10T community can also email us, events at ID10T.com, for your thing to be on the podcast. This episode is Sean Hayes, who I love. I love him. He's just a great dude. And I didn't actually know Sean very well. He's one of those people that I always felt like, oh, I think I know Sean. And then realized, oh, no, we just would sort of – we'd quickly kind of chat at events 
But he was just one of those guys where I say to him in the podcast, like, I feel like we've been friends. And if not, we should be friends. Uh, and so someone that I always look forward to seeing at places. Because, you know, you go to events and they can be very stressful because you don't know anyone. And it feels very surreal. And you're like, am I supposed to be here? I don't know. This feels weird. And so when you see someone that you really like, it's just sort of like a, a beacon, you know? Like there's just a, a light of like, oh, this person is cool and fun and funny and they make me happy, so I'll just I'll go hang out with them. Even though I really don't actually know them well, you do get these like really cool acquaintances that you meet um, and, and connect with. And so now we actually got to sit down and find out, yes, we actually do connect and I think we are friends now. So uh, thank you so much, Sean Hayes. Uh, you're fantastic this episode. And Sean... Uh, in addition, I mean, listen, yes, he was on Will and Grace, one of the biggest, greatest sitcoms in the history of entertainment. Sean is does literally everything. It's in entertainment. He's a writer, a stage actor. Um, uh, he's um, writes music, performs, a singer. It's an incredible piano player. I mean, like legit incredible piano player. You should look up his videos uh, online. Um producer create show create a hollywood game night you know so uh i really i really look up to him it's like people like sean really inspire me to grow and do more and and try different things uh he has a new podcast in the in just on that very topic of doing different and fun new things called hypochondriactor uh which he and an actual doctor uh, by the name of Dr. Priyanka Wali, and uh, she's a practicing physician, specializes in internal medicine, and she's also a stand-up comedian. And so she and Sean uh, do this podcast where they talk about medical stories and medical advice and whatever might be ailing him uh, right then. So uh, go check that out. It's available now. It just launched a handful of weeks ago. Hypochondriactor uh, is available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I believe that – oh, and Smartless is his other podcast. Um, come on. The, the heavy hitter trio of Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman, and Will Arnett and the amazing guests that they have on. So uh, a lot of great stuff that Sean Hayes is putting out into the world. Uh, and you can hear him right now on this very podcast, episode number 1121 of the ID10T podcast. Roll the thing. Initiating ID10T protocol. When you're alone and life is getting you lonely, you can always call Sean Hayes. Yeah, I was going to say, you can always drink a fifth. <laughs> that's the second That's the second chorus. That's how we do it? That's oh my God, wait, are we rolling already, recording and everything? Yeah. Wait, so you just do it through Zoom? That's it, man. How do yeah. you do it? There's a whole fucking system and like... You, Going through the, I don't know. I, it's insane. I don't. I, I have no idea how it works. 
I remember when I first uh, started a podcast 100 years ago, I had all this really expensive equipment and these microphones yeah. and we'd go places and set it up and everything. And then yeah. it got stolen. And then I realized, oh, uh, all we really need is just like a Zoom H2. <laughs> yeah. And then it's so weird you say that because I bought a bunch of equipment out of the back of someone's van and set it up here. So I'm sure that was your stuff. Oh, that could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I just... Yeah, it's a yeah, circle yeah. of life. It's a circle of podcast life. Yeah. Listen, as long as it went somewhere where it was being used. Yeah, but, but like most things in my house. Wait, how many years have you done this goddamn thing? Which is uh, amazing. I've done this goddamn thing for 11 and a half years. Oh my God, wow. And yeah. So, 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 so Idiot Me, perfect, because it's called the Idiot Podcast. Is it, so, so podcasts were around 11 years ago? They were around way before that. There were podcasts in the early in the early two thousands, and they were on a very like specific kind of obscure file format. Uh, and you'd have to like down, you know, you download the real player or another player, and you download it. And uh, and um, there was a, uh, there was a movement early on, and then in the like the oh five oh six oh seven. They started become, but it was at that point. It was, I think, it was a little bit like a ham radio. Like you had to be an enthusiast, and you were really connecting with other enthusiasts. And then, you know, the Jimmy Pardos of the world and right. started up in the Ricky Gervais. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. I remember. I mean, Jimmy yeah. Pardo's funny. Yeah, fantastic. Of course. And then, and then, 2010. You know, I think it was just sort of accidentally like the beginning of the wave, and that was right around when Apple made podcasts available in iTunes. And once that happens, yeah, forget it. Then it's sort of, but once, I, I once Apple says, you know, this is, they crown whatever you're yeah. doing. Yeah. They don't invent a lot of stuff, but they do perfect it. Like they do go, yeah. okay. We're once, gonna once Apple said smoking pot was cool, then everybody started smoking pot. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, they should there should be a little section at the genius bar where you could just go right. like uh ask like, what's next. Know, neatest looking whatever it was yeah um how are you i'm good like you know like i, I we're i guess we would describe it as pandemic good under the yeah. under the situation we're we're doing okay how are you yeah, i'm great i mean I, you know whatever it's i just got my second shot today so halfway through this interview i may be falling asleep and it's not you please don't take it personally it's all <laughs> moderna it's moderna That's, speaking that would just be your body's uh, uh, immune system kicking into nuclear uh, reactor mode. Right. Now, forgive me, because I, we don't know each other too well. I met you many years ago, and yeah. you've, you've always been so kind and uh, always so so generous and positive and upbeat, and you have such a great personality. Um, but I ask, I preface that because uh, you wearing a shirt that says Fright Night. You have a picture of the uh, night, night before um, Halloween or whatever that's called. Christmas. Night Before Christmas and um, the Tim Burton thing. So are you a big horror person? Huge. This Wait, I know this. I already know that answer. Yes. yes. But my wife is actually, so what, so this room that we're in now has a lot of like horror movie props. These, these are, these are actually from Disneyland in the back. Uh -huh. uh, and those are real dead bodies behind you, correct? <laughs> they're, well, they're props, you know, they're they props, were props in a, in a movie. Um, but if you, if I sort of panned around the room with the camera, you'd see like the, all the horror movie props belong to Lydia. So there's like, there's a, a, a werewolf head from the howling. Um, there's an oh exorcist, uh, dummy over there. There's stuff from army of darkness over here. Gremlins. Okay. Right. So then, then you must know, 
uh, oh my God, what is uh, uh, Carell, Rich Carell. Do you know? Oh, I've, I've, I worked with Rich in the late 2000s on a sitcom that he directed. And at that time, he was telling me about his horror prop collection. Yeah. And Have you never seen it? I've never seen it. And he oh my God. Chris, listen to me loud and clear. So every single Halloween, okay, every Halloween, I live, I don't want to say where I live, but I very, live very close to Rich. And he's one of the, him and his wife, nicest people on the block. They're just so sweet. And he has the world, I think what I'm to understand, the world's largest privately owned collection of horror memorabilia and, and statues and everything like that. And every Halloween, he puts out all of the things you're talking about in your house. He puts them out. Tens of thousands of people come from all over Los Angeles to see this house. He's got like witches flying around on the top. He's got like tombstones with bodies coming out of the ground. I mean, it's insane. It's the most incredible Halloween experience you've ever seen in your life. I know of this Halloween experience. And I know I remember many years ago almost going because he lives around the corner from where Rob Zombie used to live. And Rob That's, and which is like right almost two hours away from me. Yeah. yeah, they sold that house. They don't live there anymore. But Rob and Sherry don't. But um, they moved back to Connecticut. But uh he um, had, but Rob had a pretty substantial collection of stuff, but Rich is, you know, I always wanted to go, Rich is such an interesting guy because he was on the, he was a, he was an actor, I think on the original Leave it to Beaver. I think he played like yeah. one of his friends. Right. He a director. He's a fucking amazing guitar player. He shreds. Yeah. And he has this an unbelievable horror movie collection. That guy has like the coolest life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a beautiful house too. And and but when he sets it up, like you go in there, there's the alien, like the fucking life-size statue of of the alien from aliens you know and they're all original like he has an yeah. original exorcist dummy he has like uh, yes he has the original exorcist dummy right yeah. and he also i think has one of the original chucky dolls yeah or something like that that's just it goes on and on he's got like a terminator statue and like a, it's just anyways it's, it's i hope wild. he either opens a museum or he's been talking about it i don't know what the status of that um that lucas uh pop culture museum situation is down on chicago Oh, there's one here like that they oh. were planning to open, but I don't know if the pandemic threw it into a tailspin or not. But let's call him, put him, add him in on this. Oh, let's see if we can do we can we just, get just George Lucas? Uh, can we get George in the phone? Ah, call him up. Okay, he's great. No, I, I guess no, you yeah. got it. It's busy. He's he's what if you got a busy signal like from the 80s? It's just busy. <laughs> what on, on your landline? <laughs> I, I wonder if there are a lot of people that if they heard a busy signal, be like, what the fuck, what the is, fuck this? is this? Is this like a fax machine? We're being yeah. invaded by aliens. You bring up an interesting point, which is that we don't really know each other, but you're one of those people that I always feel like I know. Yeah. And I was going to say the same exact thing to you. Like whenever I see you at an event, I always go, I make a beeline for you because I go, I got to say hi to Sean because you always, there's an energy about you where I feel like, did we know each other? Like, I know, right, I right. I feel like I'm forgetting that we knew each other, but you have such a friendly, like, very i don't know it's it's a well, very you're such a, you know, you're such an asshole for saying nice things no let's get to no. back on the phone george do we, no is he he's still talking to his aunt he's, he's talking like to, his aunt. Call to a radio station george lucas he's never gonna, <laughs> uh, that's so funny um no that's very nice of you to say yeah and feeling is mutual i think you, you know there's like a you know whether an audience finds me funny or, or repulsive, that's entirely up to them. But I think in the community of funny people, you always kind of feel like, you know, each other, you know, like if, 
you know, the, the, the world of stand-up comics, everybody knows each other. And I think maybe that's why there's like this kindred spirit. There um, is a kindred spirit. Thing. And, 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 uh, and I, I, I don't know if people can hear that in us talking, but I'm going to tell you it's for real. And we're going to tell you what's real and not on this podcast. And so <laughs> my love for Chris is very real. So uh, <laughs> if you can't discern. That was not real. <laughs> right. This. Right. Is this is real. real. Right, right, right. Yeah. But the, I, although I, you know, I feel like, I feel like George Lucas still has a busy signal. I feel, like, Come I, feel like, I feel like in his house, he has a phone. There's no call waiting and yep. it's just a busy signal if you, and it's always busy. Right. And, just, and, and because he likes to provide hope, a new hope <laughs> uh, that, that once you, thank you very much, that you'll once get, get to him. So that's why he has that line. But now listen, um, what else are you working on besides this amazing podcast that you've been doing for 11 years, my God? And why did you rebrand it? I, I, because I just, I, I left the company that I was at and I, I wanted to start a new thing. And so that's cool. I, that, that's really kind of what it was. That's and, cool. And why, when you spell the name idiot, is it one zero? So uh, ID10T is sort of a, it's like, it's an old, it's a, it's an old IT code. Like if you, uh, uh-huh. if you call, then you, if you called IT and you go, my computer's not working and they go, is it plugged in? You'd go, oh, whoops, no. They would go, oh, it's an ID10T. Because if you hear it, it just sounds like a code, but if you see it, it looks like the word idiot. So it basically just oh, means. Oh, that's great. It, well, just that's... Means, it means user error. Like if okay. you call the complaint about something and it's your fault, it's actually user error. So And I there is like... a huge difference between us. I would not know any of that. I would, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. No, I, I always love that. I always love that idea of like, you know, how many things do we call the complaint about? It's like, oh, I forgot. Oh, that was on. Okay, that one was on me. You know, I always yeah. love the idea. So now do you have producers and engineers and all that and editors and stuff for your podcast? I have Katie who's been with the podcast for gosh, like seven years or eight years, and mm-hmm. she's the producer. And, and the you editor. don't want to you don't want to replace her. You, Never. Oh god. Well, we, I mean, I have some ideas. Katie, I'm sure you're listening. Don't take it personally. I would never run without Katie. Uh, <laughs> no, why would you ever want to get rid of Katie? Katie's the best. She's the absolute best. And, you know, it, it because you're you're asking me about what I do, and I have so many things that I want to talk to you about, though, because you do. Oh, a God, I've been sitting here waiting patiently. Sorry, 11 and, minutes in, and finally. Jesus. Uh, God, but uh, because I also heard Sean Hayes has hard out it, too. And when I see hard out in all caps, yeah, I go. That is not to be fucked with. That is a hard. Well, out. no. It, well, th- this is um, that's for my publicist, who's a very nice, wonderful woman named Melissa Kate. She's the best in the biz, and that's her doing that thing. I have. I can go past two o'clock, and so uh, it, just fine. I do have like a two thirty meeting though. I think it'd be funny if, like, after the podcast, she's probably giving me a cushion. Show. He fucking wouldn't let me get off at two. Didn't you tell him? It is two oh five. It is two oh five. You are fucking fired. Two oh five is a soft out. It's a soft fucking out. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever has a soft out. That's it's really funny. Out. <laughs> I got a soft out. I need to hear about it. Uh, by the way, that's really, I've never heard that. I'm totally stealing that. So what I love about being in this business a long time is being able to look around at the landscape of other people that you either know or like yeah. or respect and go, oh, wow, it's so interesting to see what they've done and what they've manifested because you, um, and you really, and I'm, I mean this, this is part of, this goes into the real category. Okay. You excel at everything you do oh, in God. such a magnificent way, whether it's, um, you know, acting or the podcast or, or, or producing or hosting. Uh, but I, I'm so dying to talk to you about piano because I started taking piano lessons a little over two Oh, you did good for you. About two and a half years ago. And 
you're such a phenomenal pianist. And, and I, I really want to pick your brain about. Yeah. Piano. When did you start taking lessons? Um, so probably, well, the first time I ever took lessons was around 2003. I took lessons for like two months and then I stopped. And then for years I would beat myself up because I'm like, if I had just stuck with it, I would have been playing for like this many years. <laughs> and so, you know, like January of 2019, I just said, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. And I've stuck with it. So it's been two years and some change. Oh, that's fantastic. And I play every day. And uh, classical or, or classical, uh, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And Tell I me have- some of the stuff you're working on or like a piece that you like or uh, something that you were trying to tackle. So um, for the longest time, I just finished a series of books called Piano Town, which was like the elementary school grade yeah. level of books. But I just finished the fourth book of that. So I always would have exercises that were sort of disposable weekly etudes. But then these kind of longer term pieces, like there's a, a Chopin piece, like this posthumous Chopin piece that I really love uh-huh. that I've been working on. Is uh, it? Is it? Da, 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 no, da, da. it's a little... Um... Uh, what's it called? I don't remember. I, don't uh, I can look up the, you know what, I, since since we're here and I have it on a playlist of songs that I'm trying to learn, I will tell you the exact. Is it an E minor? Do you know? Does that uh, No, it's a uh, nocturne number 20 in C sharp minor. Um, and, and can you hum like the first, how does it go? Uh, the, the it starts minor. off with chords. No, I don't, I don't know anything you're singing. I just love to make you feel weird about singing on your podcast. Oh gosh, I have no shame. I actually don't know how to play the piano or anything about classical music. I no, think no. that's a podcast right there. It's just two guys going, no, what about this song? Yeah, no, I probably know. I probably know it if I heard it, but yeah, that's great. I'm so excited for you. That's a song for game. That that's a that's a that's a mini game for game night. I think is just having people like hum out a song. Name that tune. I don't know. Yeah, Uh, I would super wait really quick. I there's this one game I played a long time ago. Like it was some stupid card game. You know, one of those group things that you do with a bunch of friends. And we were so high. We were stoned out of our minds smoking (laughs) pot. And one of my clues was um, I had to I had to hum. You have to hum the song to get the person. You can't sing. You can't do doo-doo-doos. You can't do anything. You just have to hum it with your mouth closed. And so I got the theme to James Bond, right? And um, so, but I was so high, I started way too low. So I I started singing like that. I go, And everybody was laughing. So they're like, what the fuck are you trying to say? Like, it makes no sense. What are you even doing? It was no guy. And you start doing the come on, come on, 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 listen, listen again. Because it's one of the most famous movie series that come in. And people are like, it was awful. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I, I, uh, I, I think uh, adding that element to it really, uh, adding the, uh, the 420 element to it really does uh, evolve the game yeah. in, a, in, in a roundabout way. Yeah, so for sure. If I would just as if I just went, you have to pay for that now. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think. Oh, I, I think actually, we you know, can we get George Lucas on the phone? Yeah, get him on the phone. Get him on the phone. Still busy. Fuck, still busy. <laughs> what I should do is drop in the. I should drop in the sound effect of a busy signal, like every- yes, for sure. If you know what you were doing, that's what you would do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Once this becomes a morning radio, if I had my morning zoo sound effects pad, yeah, then we could do that. But you know, fuck, I'm not. I don't. I don't have it. So <laughs> uh, uh, piano, though, that's so great. I'm so excited for you. And I just started learning. This is going to take me years to learn, but the the Chopin Revolutionary Etude, which is the most incredible. It's been one of my favorite songs. Uh, that's uh, how does it go? That's not bad. And yeah, it's yeah. The, left, the left hand is all, it's in C minor, yeah. Yes, and, and it's um, all the left hand. You've been playing your whole life, I imagine. So I started when I was five years old. I uh, my, literally came home from school one day, from preschool, whatever the fuck I was. And it was, uh, my mom was like, you're not doing anything after school. You want to take lessons across the street from the lady who's giving piano lessons. I'm like, sure, why not? I'm not doing anything. So I just started doing that and stuck with it. And then I started entering competitions. I, like when I was 17, I auditioned for the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, which was a, a big deal back then. I didn't get it. I came in like third or something, um, probably because I played Mozart instead of like some big showy, you know, Prokofiev, you know. Nice try, Hayes. Yeah, next. next, right, right. Piano hecklers, next. Yeah. Little did I know I was that phrase was going to stay with me for the rest of my life. Next. <laughs> right. Um, but um or that word. But uh, so then I went on, it was my, it was my major in college, uh, piano performance. And then I started composing music because I thought I was going to write movie music like John Williams, but then that didn't happen. So then I got out and I was a music from college and I got, um, I was a music director at a dinner theater in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, You laugh at the words dinner theater, but the shows we put on were pretty great. And the people in them were, are fantastic. All went on to do Broadway and TV, whatever, from this whole thing. And um, sidebar, Megan Mullally, who was in Will and Grace with me, she did a show there years before. It was in St. Charles, Illinois. It's called Pheasant One Dinner Theater. Anyway, so lots of people came through there. And I was the music director, and I, but I had this passion for acting, too. So I would see all of my friends. I would be in the orchestra pit watching this, what's like watching the same movie over and over every single night. And I would be like, well, I want to be an actor. And so it looks like they're having so much fun. And so, uh, and I did acting in, in high school and college. I just wanted to do it more. So I kind of switched and became an actor, and here I am. And do you still practice regularly? I do. Uh, I don't play nearly as well as I used to. I get tendonitis easily in my right arm just from texting emails and all that kind of stuff. And But I'm doing a play. It's called uh, Goodnight Oscar. 
And it's about Oscar Levant, who was George Gershwin's best friend. And I'm playing Oscar. And he uh, is this very eccentric guy. If you look him up on the Internet, it's, it's fantastic. He was this prodigy genius piano player. And he's uh, his recordings of the Rhapsody in Blue, which everybody knows as the United Airlines theme. And so the play revolves around one night doing the Jack Parr talk show. So Jack Parr was the original host of The Tonight Show before Jimmy Fallon, before uh, Jay Leno and Conan and Johnny uh, Carson. It was it was Jack Parr. So Jack Parr had uh, moved his show from New York to L.A. And the first night he wanted on uh, Oscar Levant. Well, the problem was Oscar Levant was in an insane asylum. So he had, in order to come on to the show, he had to get an, a, a pass. So he got a pass to come do the Tonight Show for one night and then had to go back after that appearance. Oh <laughs> and so this play is about that one night and what happens uh, backstage. And then, and he has to perform the Rhapsody in Blue. So I had to learn that whole thing and I'll be playing it eight shows a week starting in, I think we open in April at the Goodman Theater in Chicago. And if it goes well, it'll go to Broadway. And if it doesn't go well, it will start and stop there. Or it could go back to that dinner theater in- or Why not? Which just got demolished, but I'll still do it. You know what? Don't let that sit. How bad do you want it? Is yeah. my <laughs> I just don't oh, want to hear- well, your theater got demolished. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, tell us something else, yeah. Feels like a setting for a sitcom, by the way, a dinner theater in rural Chicago feels uh, like I, So I wrote a uh, the pilot of that that you're talking about with my producing partner. We sold it to HBO Max. And so um, it's it's floating around out there. That This makes me very happy. It just feels yeah. like. Yeah. Nobody's done a show about dinner theater. It's kind of it's a it's it's like waiting for Guffman meets the office. Or, or that scene in Soap Dish where he's playing Willie Loman in the dinner yes, theater. Yes. And like, what is he saying? You know, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. I, I remember I was doing like some part. I was playing Tommy Gillis in The Music Man there. Because and then I so I was in the pit. And sometimes I got to play parts, but very rarely. And I was doing it. And the, and some of the dinner, some of the um, tables, the dinner tables with people sitting at them were flush with the stage. That's how close the closest seats were. <laughs> and so I would be dancing and like some couple of times I tripped or fall and you'd land right in front of somebody's freaking prime rib, you know, while they're eating, your face is almost in their food. It was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. <laughs> and you just, and you have to like, you can't, you probably want to acknowledge that they're there. Like, yeah, the, the yeah but you can, you could, you'll break the fourth wall. Yeah, you can. It's like, the it's, fourth it's wall a is a fucking steak. Right. <laughs> I mean, what are the rules for how close you have to get to somebody's face to break the fourth wall? You've la- you've landed in their plate. You've, you've, <laughs> filled, you've filled his Manhattan all right. trousers. Right. It was awful. It was so funny. I mean, anyway. And you did you not also do the uh, piano for Second City? Was it Second City? Did you play? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I played. A, I think I played a couple shows there, or one show or something, but I also composed music for like this uh one of the shows at steppenwolf theater in chicago and then uh but um no at second city i went through their training program uh, but i never performed on the actual main stage i really would love some tips and i assume that the answer fashion tips yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah you you just have to do it for a long time but i have such performance anxiety with me like even when i'm now all, all the piano lessons are via zoom and I take lessons every week and I can practice 
and get something down. But as soon as I'm being watched, right. I like even just a sliver of my brain is not in the moment. And I'm worried about the result of the piece. I'm aware that someone's watching yeah. me and my hands just, I'm like, and every week I go, I wasn't making these mistakes before. Like right, I right. not fucking play in front of anyone. So that's so fascinating. You said that. So one of the reasons why I was happy to not pursue a career in piano performance was the notes are the notes. If you don't hit, if you're playing Beethoven or Chopin or Schubert or whoever it is, Mozart, the notes are the notes. They're written on the page. So if you don't hit the right notes, they ring so loud. And it gave me so much anxiety that anybody, it's like watching you know, American Idol or The Voice, and you're sitting there judging somebody. And if they don't hit the right note, you know right away, right? And if you're a judge for a piano competition, you know when you don't hit the notes. So, but when you're in comedy or when you're acting or whatever, if something doesn't work, you can instantly improv or talk about something else or you can pivot or whatever, the right? Mistakes are the goal. The mistakes are not are the, the goal. And if you have any kind of <clears throat> issues with like, because I, I really, I'm a believer that perfectionism is the enemy of art, you know? And, for sure. But when it comes to classical piano, <laughs> it's the worst because it's yeah, like... It that's per. Do you know how this is? The, obviously, there's some room with artistic expression, but the dynamics are written, the meter is written, the temperature yep. thing. You cannot fuck this up, even one time. Right. Fucking, you know. So that right now, that now that said, I don't want to discourage you from 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 uh, fixing your anxiety or, or or you know leveling that off. Is just like anything, stand up, acting, whatever you do, the more you do it, the more you perform and you can get out and do it in front of people. Obviously that will wane over time and you will get more confident. Um, so, and, and just like um, anything, the more prepared you are, the, 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 the less anxiety you'll have, the better you're, you'll perform. So not that you aren't prepared, but if you memorize it, I don't know if you've, have you memorized pieces yet? Yeah, I, I have a I'm I for whatever reason I like pieces kind of get into my head and I do I'm I'm pretty good about that. But yeah, because like have you ever reached have you reached the moment where you're playing a piece that you memorized and you're thinking about we're gonna have dinner that night? Yes, but it's but there's only a few pieces and I've played them for an incredibly long period of time. Like I really wanted to learn the peanuts theme and I worked really hard on that and now it's pretty second nature. But there are not a lot of pieces where my my I can go. I wonder what's. Uh, I wonder what we'll be having for dinner this year. Like, <laughs> right. What, right. Be, what room will we be supping in this evening? You know, like I don't yeah, know because it room. becomes muscle memory. Yeah, so yeah. the more you practice those pieces, it's all about practice, right? The more you practice those pieces, it becomes in your skin, in your in the muscles in your hands and your arms. You can free your mind, and you don't have anxieties anymore. But you particularly, obviously, have a certain. Um, predisposition toward like excellence in the sense that it seems like everything you do has this, like there's an extra something that you bring to the table, whether it's hosting or acting or, or music or whatever it is. And so what is that drive? Like it, yeah. are you always incredibly driven or what is that thing that makes you kind of seek out? Like I, this would be good enough, but I'm going to make it this. Well, thank you for thinking that. I don't know that I always achieve that. <laughs> but well, that's probably why you do it. Give you the fact that you even think that you don't mean yeah. you do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, 
you know, what do you do? What do you do if you think that you've achieved it? Then you're done. You just like sit and watch movies all day. We just did that for a year under the pandemic. Like, you know, like what? So I, I never think it's great ever. I've, I, I always think it's like, yeah, that was fine. I mean, you know, when you do good, you know, when you suck. So you could say, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, that was kind of good. I mean, it wasn't great or amazing. There's people who can do it better. But uh, so I've never felt that way. So that's a, it's a really great question, like almost like uh, trying to be a perfectionist or where that comes from or, or why I want to keep challenging myself. Uh, you know, this is probably for another day, another podcast, but I grew up a very poor dad left my mom with five kids to raise. We had no money. Our heat was turned off in the winter. Uh, our phone was sh- shut off. You know, I wore the same clothes all the time. We barely had any food, blah, 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 sometimes. So, but I always thought like, well, there's somebody even worse off than us. So it's, we don't have it that bad. And, and, but when you live an entire winter in Chicago with no heat, you will work your fucking ass off the rest of your life to never go backwards. So I think I'm always kind of working, trying to make myself uh, better, trying to do what I do better uh, because I need to, I need it to be great for my soul. And I need it to be great because I need to make a living at what I love to do. Uh, I'm I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to hear that. I feel like it's partly your fault. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that that happened, but I really am sorry because to at such an impressionable age to feel discomfort for that long and to feel like I be responsible so that this doesn't happen, of course. And I would, I would tend to guess that that has probably also, unless you've, you know, I mean, again, I don't want to get too personal, but unless you've done a ton of therapy and figured out how to get over it, you probably always never feel fully comfortable as a result right or as yeah as a person like you know just in this moment right now we're talking about it i'm just thinking like of course my mom what's it like to have a parent abandon you well of course then you have abandonment issues you think everybody's and everything is going to escape you so you try to hold on to those things or try to make them as great as they can so that they don't go away i guess i don't know i'm kind of making this up as i'm talking but um, but so there's probably some of that in there. But also the idea that you feel like that's that is something that you're constantly running away from, you know, yes. like never go back to that place. Well, Sean, you have this amazing career and you have all these shows and you have this. No, 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 no. But I can't. Right. I can't take a breath for a minute. So has so has the so has the inactivity of the last year created even more like has that activated some of those things you managing to keep busy well i you know that's a very good point and i think i try to be self-aware as much as i can and in being self-aware you realize oh i must work on balance balance is everything in life you always hear that you have to balance even the you know your diet if you have a donut today then you can't have a hamburger and french fries for dinner you can have you have to eat salmon with asparagus you know so whatever it is and and so if i'm gonna go balls out for the first 45 years of my life uh, you know, uh, uh, pedal to the metal, everything all the way. I have to find a way to slow down. And I think that's what the pandemic did. It kind of forced all of us who live like I do and probably a little bit like you do, right? Because you work just as hard to, it forces you to slow down and and reorganize your priorities and make you aware 
that there needs to be more balance. So I think that's what it did for me is like, wait a minute, I have got to stop and smell the roses. I've got to slow down and just kind of choose the things that are important to me and pursue those with all of my might rather, rather than casting a wide net and, and doing everything because I used to, and I still kind of do, like if I go to Las Vegas and I play blackjack, I'll sit down at a table and I'll like, let's say it's like a $5 table. And I'll play like five, four hands at one. Like the dealer will let me play four hands. So I'll play four hands. So at least one hand will always keep me in the game. And that's kind of how I feel about this, about show business. It's like, if I have, if I start to develop three, four, eight, 10 projects, well, chances are nine of them are going to not go, but at least one will. And then I will keep me in the game to keep doing what I love to do. I absolutely agree. And I always liken that mentality to the uh this is a weird analogy but i always think of it like the 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 sea turtles about how the turtles like lay all the sea turtles in the sand and then they come out and then a a, a bunch of them get swept up by seagulls and then a few make it into the ocean they get gobbled up right away and then a few just don't make it for whatever reason and so out of all those little sea turtles eggs just a handful actually survive and i feel like that with like with projects and things the business like well you have to because you just don't know. And there's no, if you put all your eggs in one basket, that's right. I think what you're saying is you have to shit out as many eggs as possible. Many eggs. You have to shit out as many turtle eggs in the sand as possible. <laughs> out, I think too, is a medical, I think yes. that's a term. Get George on, see what he says. Get George, what are we, um, no, I'm still busy. Fuck. Me, me. He's on the phone all the time. Yeah. George is just on the phone. <laughs> he just has the phone in the drawer with the clock. Right. right. Or the, <laughs> Remember, like, remember um, at our, those old TV shows that showed the phone on the wall where you just spoke into the, it was so crazy. Yeah, yeah, like the whole, yeah, uh, get, me, get me Kingston, 4709. Yeah. Is George Lucas there? Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. It's busy. What's busy? I don't know. No. <laughs> emerging technology. Exactly. We're early adopters. I, I, I do wonder if that is also, because when Smartless launched, I was like, holy fuck, what a powerhouse. And your your guests are like just off the charts. Like the whole idea of the three of you coming together to do a podcast was well, pretty epic. Thank you. And I, you know, we have people like you and you mostly to thank for paving the way. You really, really did. And you 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 were a pioneer. I I know I'm not making light of that. You really were. You and just a handful of other people were really inspirations to to this world. And so we're just having guests on that that you've already had the privilege of speaking to way, way before we did. So thank you for that. And um and yeah, we're just had we just had a blast. Me, Jason Bateman and Will Arnett do smart list together. And the three of us um have known each other for you know over 20 years and have always enjoyed each other and always been good friends. And so we were just kind of like, of course, pandemic we're like we actually thought of launching it before the pandemic but not like maybe a month before we started talking about it and then it just made it easier once the pandemic hit and because everybody wanted to try and stay creative and so uh yeah we just thought why not we haven't seen this before and why don't we surprise each other with a guest we bring on we won't tell the other two as each of us play the host that episode so we thought yeah there's a nice twist on an interview show that i haven't seen or heard and and here we are. And it's it's so fun. And uh, I laugh so hard. Those guys are like you, too, just some of the funniest people in the business. I, I love them. And, and, and also just the ability to 
that we live in this kind of technological age for all this to happen where you can still be connected to people in a way yeah. that allows you, you know, like the, 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 the incredible amount of privilege that we have to be able to connect with each other and make content and put stuff out. And, and, and that was always, that was the hardest thing for me to understand in the beginning of the podcast was like, Oh, this, I didn't realize it was like a work thing. I really just was like, Oh, it's just a fun, weird thing. Yeah. Then it started being referred to as work. I was like, but it's not, it's just, we're just fucking around. Like it's yeah. not. All right. This oh, is like work. Oh, that's the, cause you and I are old enough. We're almost the same. We're about the same age. And so we like, I think we're literally just maybe a year apart or less. And we very much know what the old version of the business looked like where some big company had to anoint you as being good enough or cool enough to be on a thing. But the idea that you can just make a thing with your friends and, right. and that, and then that becomes like one of the, one of the defining things of your career. It's well, right. And, and it's mind blowing. totally, it is mind blowing. It's like, uh, this is the wild West, right? That just now agencies in, in Hollywood are creating podcast arms, right? Yeah. Because, because now they're like, oh, there's, there's money to be had. It's like, well, we're just having a good time. And the money was kind of secondary. It's like, yeah. oh, you can make some extra cash on the side if it works. If it doesn't, who cares? Because you're still having a good time, you yeah. know? Um, but yeah, it is kind of, it's, it's wild how it's, it just kind of popped up as this new, um, you know, new thing. Do you have a do you have any sort of like a, a daily ritual to sort of get your when, when you when you lack the structure of having a company say we need a script by Friday and you have to do this or we need to do this or there's notes even though you, I understand the landscape of your life so you have a lot of stuff going on but in the absence of that do you put do you have a structure in place for yourself to sort yeah. of get things done throughout the day throughout the week yeah, I do. Um, I, you know, it's so funny you bring that up because for the first time in my life, I'm putting my health first because it was just like, I would have like an appointment with whatever, a doctor here or there or whatever. And I would just be like, uh, and then and a meeting would come up for work. I'd be like, oh, can you reschedule the doctor? I have to do right. this. I have to do this because I don't, you know, you don't want to miss out. You want to make the, you know, you want to build the company. You want to do as much as you can to make it successful. But now I'm just like back to the thing you and I were talking about, about balance is like, you know what? <laughs> Newsflash. I think I should probably put my health first after 45 years of not, you know, or whatever. Yeah. After decades of not doing it. And um, so I'm just now saying I'm, I'm, I'm taking, I, I'm moving, shifting priorities. So, uh, so that said my routine uh, every week. Yes. I, I couldn't live without an assistant who works. Who's amazing. Emily, uh, if you're listening, she uh, organizes mine and Todd, Todd Milliner, my producing partner, and all the people that work at our company. Thank God for Apple calendars, for yeah. the iPhone calendar. I mean, it's it's everything. You see everything. I have something every hour on the hour every day. And if if I don't, I'm like, what's going on? Like, what do we we need to? You know, a- it's so funny to see because I I, I am also- I like every every hour that's gone that passes if it's not filled I feel like it's an hour missed you know but sorry go ahead I used no 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 not at all I used to think that and before the pandemic my iCal it looked like the it looked like the end screen of a Tetris yeah thing. yeah <laughs> you know yeah, it, for sure where things are just like all squished and it's yeah. you know and I honestly I really enjoy a lot of the space that has been created. And I think some of it is, I think some of it is also our age and level of experience because we've both been in the business for so long. And we've realized like, 
hey, even when you were at your busiest and you were doing a million things and things that were beyond what you ever thought you would accomplish, you know, can you say that you really had time to even feel happy about it? Because you were so like, because what you don't envision when you're envisioning this like perfect tapestry of success is how fucking stressed it right. can you. It's almost, yeah. Yeah, no, it's almost like you can't, like when I first, whatever you want to call it, hit or became, you know, the, the Will and Grace first kind of made uh, its a mark on, on, on the country and whatever. You know, when fame first hits you, you, you're like, oh, my God. First of all, I didn't expect this. I just thought I was going to be a working actor for my I thought, you know, I'm happy doing a play for ten dollars a week, like whatever it was. You're just happy doing what you do. And then that happens. And I think you go, oh, this is what this is like. This is what I've read about and watched the Oscars and the Emmys. And oh, no, I'm in that. I, that's this is crazy. I never imagined that would happen to me. And then you start to panic like it's all going to go away, which is the most unhealthy thing that could ever happen to you, to your brain is like, no, who now you like with with age comes wisdom, hopefully knock on wood. And you go, oh, none of like how horrible that I invested in the fame when I was younger. None of it matters now more than ever because everybody's famous. So now more than ever, fame means nothing. And and but that you get so caught up in it. And I think then you go, oh, I got to keep this alive. I got to keep working. And I think in order to keep working, I have to panic. And in order to panic, I got to, you know, all of it feeds into anxiety and depression. And so it's it's a bad, bad thing unless you have balance and you have you have outlets to talk to friends or a therapist or somebody to help you work through all of that yeah because it you can uh you can fall into that and people can fall into that trap of all of a sudden when you're first making you know passion driven decisions or decisions because you're excited about something to the fear-based decisions like the fear of i mean like the, the the motivation of trying to attain a goal it's not really about the goal it's sort of the journey that kind of makes you yeah. then when you get that thing the fear of losing can really fuck people up yeah. because you can't control any of that and that's certainly something we've learned we've all learned globally in the last year is like these little security bubbles that we thought oh my life is so oh shit the world is unstable i thought you know i mean what a wake-up call yeah put all of your eggs into the external world basket of right. need this attention or fame or money or whatever it is. It's like, you cannot control any of that. Yeah. And that'll really fuck you up if that's where, where you've attached. Yeah, your I, I know of, 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 of an actor person. I won't say if it's a female or male, okay. but, um, but this person, everybody knows. And this person is a friend and this person, I wish I could help because this person wakes up worrying about if if he or she is relevant mm-hmm. and and panics if they're not relevant and it's like no you can't that's no way to live your life just you have to rethink <laughs> how you're living your life because it's it's you're just asking for it it's a it's a life of of constantly being unfulfilled angie's list is now angie and we've heard a lot of theories about why i thought it was an eco move fewer words less paper no it was so you could say it faster no it's to be more iconic must be a tech thing but those aren't quite right it's because now you can compare upfront prices book a service instantly and even get your project handled from start to finish sounds easy it is and it makes us so much more than just a list get started at angie.com that's a-n-g-i or download the app today 
Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Yeah, and then, you know, getting to a point someday when you're really old and going, oh, gosh, it didn't really... None of that really mattered. Yeah, right. Right. You wake up and you're like, hey, nah. I know, but that, but that, that idea. I don't know why I've been so stuck on the idea late, lately of like, you know, I've always used to think in terms of the future and like, build, and then this, and then build this, and then I'll try to do it. And then lately, in the in the last few months, I've been like, no, life is now. Like, it's not yeah. this thing that you're gonna live once you accomplish X, Y, or Z. You're this is it. Right. This is it. This moment is it. That's right. right. Don't fucking waste it. How do we teach younger people that? Because I wish I wish that now I get that. But like when I was younger, I would hear people say, I'm like, yeah, okay, got it. Bye. And I would be like, no, I I I, I guess it's innate. It's innate that 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 younger the younger generation just feels invincible and uh right. It, it's it's partially. I mean, I think it's a couple of things. I think when you're young, you're incredibly ambitious. You're tr- you're searching for your identity. You're trying to figure out. You're very ambitious. You want to make your mark in the world, and so you are searching to find something that I think you think is going to fill you and make you whole. Right. And I think it just takes the process of searching for that and the wisdom and the experience to learn. Like, oh yeah, things can't make you whole, but. And maybe some people just innately have that knowledge, but I think it is sort of a thing that we have to search for and find. Yeah. I and mean, kind things, of earn. yeah, for sure. I mean, things can't make you whole, but a Rolex helps for just a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a nice oversized watch sized hole in your soul. No, that, that if you fill, yeah, if you get the right watch, it will fill that. With the exception of that, I mean, that's, I think that's a given, you know, yeah. that's a given. And then you can look down and watch the Rolex ticking away right. on, inside your soul. as you Yeah, <laughs> right. Just pass you by. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. It's sort of like how, if you see someone is in a situation that, that you, that you know, that you recognize is unhealthy for them because they keep making the same and you go, oh, well, maybe you should. And they go, yeah, I can't, you know, and we're also, everyone's guilty of doing that too, of, you know, not, not, not you know, not taking good advice. Yeah. Not, not taking good advice. You, you just kind of have to learn through it. I think you have to just experience it to understand that. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, so true. So true. So very true. Are you, are, is, is Hollywood game night still going on, isn't it? Hollywood game night is kind of always there. And if the network wants to do one episode <laughs> every three <laughs> years, they'll call us. Um, I think it's probably run its course, but you never know. Cause it's, it's it's never been officially canceled, um, so it could pop up at any time, anywhere for the rest. I of I love. I got to do that show once, and it was. I mean, I yes. think Jane Lynch is the fucking coolest. Thank you, and you were so nice and so great on it. By the way, well, I really appreciate that. I yeah. I met Jane like a couple years before that at something at an event or something, and I was so starstruck by her, and she was so fucking cool. Yeah, and she's great. It just made me so happy to do that show, and funny too. Um, 
Speaking of podcasts. Now, let me check. If you, if there's another podcast that you happen to be working on, I don't know. I think George might be on hold at the moment. We'll get back to him. Um, uh, oh, we hung up. Ah, fuck. Oh, well. Uh, sure. uh, oh, you, but you got through, which is amazing. If you were going to do, I did. But by the time it happened, it was like it didn't, I didn't really mean anything to me yeah, anymore. I get it. Yeah. it was like, you know, the pursuit of the goal. And then I got ah, it. Yeah, and he sold Lucasfilm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but uh, if you were going to do another podcast, what what would it be about, Sean? Oh, gosh, Chris. That's really nice of you. <laughs> that's really nice of you to bring up. Um, I'm, I'm oh, doing it. I'm doing another podcast uh, called Hypochondriactor because I am an actor who's a hypochondriac. And, every, you know, every day I wake up and I think there's something wrong with me. But, um, you know, I've, I've kind of always been obsessed with medical stories. Like when I read or hear about uh, a story about a health issue, I immediately wonder if it'll happen to me. I've always kind of felt that if I haven't had it, I'll probably get it. <laughs> and also, like, my favorite part of, of some talk shows are when people from all walks of life come on and share a medical issue they have because it connects us and it makes you think that, oh, gosh, if I'm feeling, if I'm dealing with a similar issue, it normalizes it and you don't feel so alone. It's very and it, humanizing. It's very humanizing. Yeah. So so um, with that, me and the folks at my production company, Hazy Mills Productions, we're always on the lookout for fresh, smart, funny voices. And this uh, amazing woman, Dr. Priyanka Wally, uh, came in to meet with us. And she is a, a, a light. She's a but we're like, God, here is this fresh, smart, funny voice that we're looking for. She's an amazing talent who's a hilarious stand-up and she's a board-certified doctor. So we both kind of agreed that a medical podcast that can uh, you know, bring an audience uh, uh, hope, understanding, enlightenment, hopefully a little comedy would be a positive thing in the world. So, so it's crazy how it came together. I just happen to be an actor who's an undiagnosed hypochondriac. She just happens to be a stand-up comic who's a doctor. So we married the two and we gave birth to a podcast about That's it. The best reason to do a podcast because you have a very organic, real, authentic reason because yeah. your own your own curiosity and your own... And also I do understand the hypochondria thing. And I also do believe that some of it comes from not even so much necessarily having anxiety about whether or not I have this thing. But I also think there's this meta issue of the ritualistic behavior of every time I think I have a thing and I don't, somehow that is part of my ritual that makes me feel okay. I say that's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Do you have a little bit of it? Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. and, and, it, and it and and I really so I really understand where you're coming from, and I think this is a great foundation for because it's not just like oh we're just doing a podcast just because. Yeah, it's not to exploit celebrities talking about their, you know, issues, oh, getting to know them. It's actually like I'm truly, truly so passionate about medical stories because I always say, because I've had everything, like I always say, name a body part inside or out, and I probably have a story about it. Go ahead. Name anything. Uh, a metatarsal? I don't know what that is. It's a bone in your toe. But Okay, uh, so, so, have- <laughs> so I have, so I have plantar fasciitis, right? <laughs> I have plantar fasciitis and I have, right? And I have insoles made so I can walk better. So I can walk more. I'm not laughing that you have that. I'm yeah. laughing at, yeah, because then why would, why would someone laugh at someone with plantar fasciitis? Plantar fasciitis. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, it's just the idea of like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can mark yeah, it. For real. Like my small intestine burst open. I almost died like a couple of years ago. I've had hepatitis A. I've had LASIK eye surgery. I have a little glaucoma on my right eye. I have a rotator cuff in my left shoulder. I have a mass, many, 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 many issues. And so uh, I wanted to talk, I wanted to start this podcast because it's all fascinating to me. The most fascinating thing is when uh people, famous people from any job, not just celebrities, but any famous person has a story of like an ER story. I love that. Like that has a happy ending. I love those because there's so much drama and comedy in those stories. Um, And so, but we also learn so many things on this podcast because Priyanka Wally is an incredible doctor. And so for me, it's like having free medical care and on my podcast. I think the first and foremost, the advice is never look anything up on the internet. Mm-hmm. Because you're always going to see the word. I think Ryan Reynolds tweeted something once years ago that really, it, it just, it hit me so squarely in, uh, in the heart. Uh, I laughed. It was something like, it was, it was how quickly he goes from looking on WebMD to coffin shopping. Where yeah. it's just like, there's always, there's always a little yeah. pain in my ear. Oh my God, I'm, there's this horrible, I didn't know right. that. Was, right. You know, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. You people that you had it commented on that thread. So now of course you think you have it. Right. You, cause if you, you look on the internet, you will find the thing you're looking for. But the other crazy thing too, is, you know, having been an anxiety and panic attack sufferer for pretty much my whole life is understanding how insidious anxiety can be because it literally fucking mimics everything. Like it mimics almost Mm -hmm. every, any symptom can actually be an anxiety that's manifesting in some way in your fucking head. Yeah. I don't know. So you, so you have anxiety, you have depression as well. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely have struggled with depression, anxiety mainly, but, but certainly, you know, um, I, I wouldn't say the types of depression where I cannot function, mm-hmm. but certainly that, that 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 sort of like low level depression that runs in the background that sort yep. of where, where you get caught in the, yep. the thought spirals and the, sure. it, yeah. it feels like hard to sort of drag yourself out of it. Yes, I definitely I definitely have. Yeah, we me and you both. Howie Mandel was just in an episode. Kristen Bell's been on. Alec Baldwin. You would be great to come on and talk about it. But the thing that I've learned uh, is that, and I asked Howie Mandel this is or i just kind of brought this issue up is that we can't have anxiety be an identifiable characteristic of it we can't let it define us and therefore if it ever went away we'd feel like part of us went away you know it's it's just part of who we are and we just have to manage it yeah i agree that it is that it is the the longer you live with it the more you kind of find ways to keep it at bay or at least mindfulness is good where you can sort of step back and go recognize, Oh, I am not my thoughts. I am feeling this right. thing, but they are not who I am. And that can sort of dissipate it as well. But right. Constantly fishing to kind of put, it's basically like a fucking YouTube algorithm. Anxiety right. is like a fucking YouTube algorithm. that tries to find a rabbit hole of weird, extreme shit. Yeah. And, uh, and you just constantly have to just like choose a Ted talk video. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, yeah, you for sure. To- that's, that's hilarious. That's a very, that's, that was very well put. Yeah, exactly. It's a YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, it might be, it might be, uh, it might be fun to do an episode about anxiety. Although it sounds like that it, since it's about hypochondria that, it, or that's kind of idea that that probably is a through line through a lot of the episodes. What is, what does uh, Dr. Wiley say about the sort of 
hypochondria and medical anxiety. What's her take on it? Well, you know, she's really into the mind-body connection, right? So it's sometimes possible to connect a medical issue you're having to something that might be psychosomatic. But that said, is like, you know, she 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 doesn't judge. She's an incredible doctor. She, because if you come in with something that's ailing you, it's very real to you. Of course. So she will respect that and treat treat it from that standpoint. So um that's kind of how she deals with it. Yeah. Um yeah, the the uh but I do want to say really quick, it the hypochondriac premieres on May 5th, 5-5, and you can get it at Apple Podcasts, wherever you get it. I just had to say that, sorry. Oh, of course. And also, I'll, I'll record a thing at the opening of the podcast that, tell, that gives all that information, too. Okay. I just didn't know if you knew how to do your job. <laughs> well, now that you're a veteran podcaster, <laughs> you, have to, you have to see where the holes are. You got to come in and make sure that I'm fucking driving this thing. <laughs> no, I can only learn from you, and that is the truth. Not at all. I, I still feel like yeah, I, you know, I still want to do these podcasts. I'm like, wow, because I, I never, you know, I don't really ever prepare anything. I just think I know, well, I love that. Just go where it goes, and I still get a little bit of anxiety. So I'm like, what if I run? What if there's nothing? Oh my god, what do I? So how many people? How many interviews do you think you've done? Well, I know we've done almost 1,200 episodes. Wow, but but in there are some repeat. But I don't know. I I, I mean at least. It's got to be close to a thousand people. I would. And imagine. do you still enjoy it? I do. It's the only. It's the main reason why I still do it. I love. I I love talking to people. I love getting to connect with people like you that I respect and want to learn from and connect with. And the podcast for me is just, and it's just endless curiosity for like, yeah. how do people do what they do? How do they like what the whys? What are they into? How do they right. you know? And exactly the same reason I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, if, if it ever felt like, you know, by rote or, or mechanical in any way, I don't, it would be hard for me to keep doing it. I just, I really just like talking to nice, funny people. And and so I don't get tired of that. Same. Thank you for making an exception today with me. Of course. (laughs) Well, of course. I mean, you know, I knew they said, this guy's coming in. He has plantar fasciitis. So I feel really bad for him. We should probably, you know, I should probably have him on. You want to try another one? You want to try another body part? Sure, sure. sure anything, sure. organ or anything on the outside. You mentioned intestine. You also mentioned a uh, rotator cuff. Uh, are there, you also um, uh, mentioned tendonitis? Uh, tendonitis? Uh, yeah, tendonitis. Uh, um, are, do you have any, uh, you have any elbow issues? Um, yeah, well, it goes, the tendonitis goes up to my elbow. Up to the elbow, okay. So that's um, it's still kind of connected. Yeah. Um, Do I have any other? If I think about it long enough, I would probably have any any skin, any any kind of dermatitis, eczema, scalp condition. Uh huh. So skin wise, I um. By the way, skin is the largest organ in the body. I don't know if you. Of course. Uh, Right. And um. But my skin has been stretched from all the food I've eaten over the pandemic. Sure. That's one thing. (laughs) But no skin. I I I I'm starting to get like skin taggy stuff. Oh yeah. Just like two tiny ones that's um, age related that just you know yeah, like, age, yeah they grow yeah uh like okay you're getting older here's some extra skin how about a, yeah. it's a badge it's a badge yeah. it's, like a, it's like a badge that you've lived a little bit longer here you go yeah yeah exactly and i did one time when i was i was doing broadway uh the opening week was um i broke out in this horrible rash on my chest i thought it was like had some disease, but anyway, I could go on and on about skin. But you didn't. But it was all. But it was all okay. It was all um, anxiety related. It was oh. all. It was like hives from from nerves. 
Yeah, it really does. Like you, it does just manage to attack whatever is vulnerable. Like if you, especially if you have like back pain and you have anxiety. And I have all, I've often wondered because I do believe your brain always has the best intentions. It's just that your brain really, you know, when your your brain really can only tell you like your your sort of non um, your lower brain functions can only really try to make sure that you're okay in any given moment, which is why it might say like drink more alcohol, smoke more weed, eat that extra cupcake because I'll make you feel better in the moment. And I do wonder if one of the reasons why anxiety kind of attacks different parts of your body is because if you're anxious about something and all of a sudden your weak knee starts to hurt, you are no longer focused on that anxiety. I wonder if it's almost like your brain's way of trying to distract you. Oh, for sure. So for that you're sure, like, oh, yeah. my knee, you know, like- Hey, let me ask know. you something. Do you ever have intestine, digestive, stomach issues, problems? Uh, well, uh, yeah, listen, since, since we're two old guys now talking on the porch about our ailments, I do have, I've, I've had forever, um, uh, acid reflux. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, your gut is your second brain. You probably know all of that. Like the gut, like the, the, the biome of gut microbes. Yeah. And- they call they call your gut the second brain because you put all of your anxiety down, down there and then everything happens from there. So acid oh. reflux is probably obviously it has to do with some anxiety, but also has to do with diet. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it is is kind of funny that, uh, you know, we always look for these complicated solutions to things and it's like, and not obviously this doesn't solve everything, but in general, if you eat mostly well and you try not to stress about too much stuff and you do some moderate exercise in general, like it's not much more complicated than that. Obviously that's doesn't apply for everything and everyone, but I just mean in general, yeah. there are always some subtle shifts that if we just made subtle shifts would probably dramatically improve. Yeah. That doesn't take a lot. Right. Yeah. No, but no. it's the balance thing. It's the balance thing. We all have got to achieve balance. Are you, as we're sort of moving forward and things are going to start to get busy again, do you think you're, do you foresee that you will be able to continue to maintain that balance? Or when you start getting more opportunities, are you going to be like, fuck, I'm back in it now, right where I didn't think I was going to be. That's like such a good question. I, you know, uh, I, I don't have a choice, but to stick to my guns on health first and, and, and having balance. It's i uh, I've made a decision. That's all it is. As you flip a switch in your brain, you know, for any of those who of us who've like, I got to start working out and then you don't. But then the second you flip that switch and you start exercising, you're like, oh, it's a decision. Everything is a decision, right? So it's a decision not to have that extra piece of cake or that hamburger or whatever. It's all decisions. So as long as I keep making better and good choices with my life, I think I'll be able to balance that out to answer your question. And also sometimes to just not think about it, like, you know, yeah, don't put so much about like, I'm going to think about going to work out. Oh, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. But if you just can get your feet to just walk there or go there right, or right, right. and turn up right, and it, or like anything, like starting a script or starting a job or starting yeah. a thing. Starting is the hardest part. It's, it, it is hard, but I also find that maintenance is also very hard because at least with starting, you get that endorphin rush of like, I'm doing a new thing. Right. But when you're in a long-term relationship with a behavior, you know, like after it can either become habitual or it can just be like, oh, God, it's a fucking die. I don't feel like doing this thing. Right, like, right, right. It's just like trying to ignore that and go. But that's, all, yeah, that, that's all a test and you must pass the test. 
I guess so. Right. You must. You don't have a choice. You have got to pass that test of, of reaching. I know what you mean. Reaching that point where you're like, OK, well, this used to be fun and good for me. But now, you know, it's it's become mundane. But you just have to get you have to get through that at all costs if it's good for you. Hey, I want to I want to ask you, because I know you had a hard out at two and it's two oh three. We're now <laughs> in out, out. territory. Stopped out. <laughs> but uh, you hosted the Tony Awards many years ago, which I think is the best awards show of any oh, show. Oh, that's great. Yeah, me uh, too. It just, it's, it's, it's so, it, it just doesn't have the kind of, I don't know, a lot of the other, other award shows, and they're all fine, but yeah. there's this like real intensity to, and there's something about the Tony Awards that just feels so fun and celebratory and alive and energetic and, and Yeah, I think so too, yeah. And, you know, like, you did a great job hosting and, you know, I've seen so many, Neil Harris, like it's always done a great job, you know, yeah. and it, it just feels, was it as fun to do as it seems like it would have been to do? Yeah. You know, it's so funny that the, uh, well, I have to say this, we we've produced the SAG awards the last two years. So that's another good award show, but the Tony awards are great. Yeah, and, Tony's um, and the SAGs, I think are really the top, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say the SAGs. <laughs> miraculously just inched above the Tony Awards. <laughs> I feel like I have to say that. Yeah. Uh, well, cause it's true too, but, um, but the Tony Awards, yeah, no, that was really fun. It was, um, uh, you know, believe it or not, it's that thing where it took a lot of convincing. Cause I was like, why would I host the Tony Award? I'm, I'm doing eight shows a week. Now I have to go. It was an, and recording the album for the show I was in and doing the show and hosting the Tony's and writing it and rehearsing the time. It was an insane time of my life. But I was like, yeah, that sounds ridiculous. Why don't I kill myself and do and do that? So I did it and we would rehearse and we're writing and at, at Radio City Musical. So you're you're rehearsing it. And it's funny. The idea of it is overwhelming and scary and and anxiety inducing. But once you get out there and you start rehearsing it with no audience over and over and over again, and then, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, it's uh, practice means everything. Practice when you when you've practiced and rehearsed enough that you it's in your skin, whether that be music or stand up or hosting or whatever. It all the nerves go away because now it's not up to me. Now it's up to the audience. Like I've done all the work, and so it and something about that relaxes you. If I know that I've done the work, then it's up to the audience to tell to tell me if I'm horrible and I suck or that you enjoy it and you thought it was fun. So, um, yeah, it's it kind of, once you do the work, it goes away. Okay. So that's a good point because as a perfectionist, how do you know personally that you're done? Like, do you have a trick to just like, okay, yeah. now I've done the work and I'm letting go, or is it, does it just never feel done? Anything. I think uh, I have this, uh, I live with this guy, Scotty Eisenogle, who's my husband, uh, and he, uh, when I drive him crazy enough, that's when I know I'm done. <laughs> that's when I'm like, Hey, what about, what about this joke? Is this funny? Or is this funnier? He's like, I really, really done listening to that now. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. I was like, oh, okay. So I'm done. So that's it. Ready to go. <laughs> that's when I know. Now, is there anything else that I can help you promote, uh, besides your oh, no, hypochondriactor? By the way, do you know do you know Jack Plot? You must know Jack Plotnick. Yeah, he's hilarious. Jack has such a brilliant his website 
because I used to I used to like work on auditions with Jack because not only was he a great acting coach and a great actor, yeah, and a brilliant improviser and comedian, but he also has this wonderful mindset about how your ego is your, is this vulture that tries to attack yeah, you and like sure. pulling the, the way the vulture. And- I learned a lot of stuff from Jack too. Yeah, he's such a great guy, amazing talent, incredible. Did you see his Disney characters? Um, did you see? It? Oh my God, Chris. You will laugh so well. I hate when people say that because they're like, I didn't think it was that funny. But um, I it it made me laugh so hard. And it's so fucking genius. He took these old, old, old Walt Disney clips of him of Walt walking around his studio talking for like five minutes to <laughs> to like a worker working on part of the theme park. And in the background. Of, of this old footage is like a woman sewing that's never gotten camera time or doesn't talk to. And all of a sudden he set this up where the camera cuts to her and she starts reacting to what's happening in the room. And, <laughs> and he's playing all of these, these men and these women and all these different clips of this. It's so clever. And I've never seen anything like it. It's really oh, funny. That's fantastic. I will definitely, I will definitely look that up. I will definitely, I'm, I'm not, and I, this is real talk. I will, I will, that will be the first thing I do as soon as I end this podcast. Yeah, good, good, good. I will go look that up. Good. And I don't know, I, 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 you are welcome back on the podcast whenever you want. I genuinely hope that there are events that we can say hi in person again at some point. Yeah, so you won't ignore me like you did last time. That's okay, that's cool. This is me going, this is me a lot of the times going to an event. I, how did I get invited to this? I <laughs> am I, what yeah. do I say? What do I do? And uh, you, I, I imagine that most people feel that way, but I imagine some people just don't think about it a whole lot, right? Yeah, no, like you, you're, you're more appropriate to be at those things than 99% of those other people. I just seek out the funny people. I seek out the comedians. Because Same, I, that's what I do. I'm like, oh my God, let's find a corner and talk about everybody. Right? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that said... Uh, the next time we run into each other, we should see if we could just make each other feel really awkward by yeah. <laughs> by oh. just one word phrases. Hi, mm-hmm. hi. Like, oh you? my god, how are you? Yeah, great. Yeah, fine. Uh, how did you get invited? Yeah, stuff like that. Oh God, I um. Well, I thought that. Uh, well, I guess they just kind of. Uh, by the way, one of the worst things I've ever been told by I can't say who it is because she's lovely, but um, I don't think she meant it this way. But I was at this party many many years ago. It's already gonna be funny. And everybody, like, you name it, they were there. It was just incredibly high-profile private party. And um, and she turns to me, and she, she, the first thing she goes, she goes, Sean? I go, oh, hey. She goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> and I was like, oh. No, there's no phrase that could make anybody feel worse than, what are you doing here? <laughs> And I wonder if in her mind, there was some kind of like, it came out wrong or what she meant was like, oh, it's good to see you. Yes, or- I think I think what she meant was, it's so, you know, so good to see you. Who do you know? How are you connected to this party is probably what right. she meant. And who do but, I need to talk to to get them to ask you to leave? Yeah, to leave, right. right. And could you get my car for me? Yeah, could you? <laughs> right. It was that kind of thing. Right. Don't make eye contact. But other than that. <laughs> Right. Very welcoming. Right, right, right. 
Um, well, this has been a delightful hour and 12 minutes. Oh my gosh, Chris, you're the best. You, there's a reason why you've been on for so long because you know exactly what you're doing and you're just a wonderful human. I really appreciate you and please stay in touch. I feel like we should just know each other. I don't for know. Sure. I just for sure. For sure. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimol Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.